what's this? Crazy bitch. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. My name is Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our poser extraordinaire, Natai. We're still going, it's not over yet, we're still in the same season, it's not gonna end. It's not over, it's not over, man, it's not over. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, so you and I have gotten together because we are going to be talking about part two of our Monogatari second season spoiler cast. Um, so, uh, this part of our spoiler cast will be covering the, uh, second pair of story arcs, that being Otori Monogatari, better known as Nariko Medusa, Mm -hmm. and, um, Oni Monogatari, better known as Shinobu Time. Yes. That's right. That means that after this, we have one story arc left, and it's the best. (laughs) (laughs) Which, of course, we're going to spend two hours on talking on that one arc, because that's just how it goes. Don't don't tell that to John. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. (laughs) Don't don't say this to John. The podcast has ended. He's going to quit. He's going, yeah. (laughs) It was great knowing you, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, uh, but, so... You and I talked about this before, and normally at the very beginning of these, I've been giving out a bunch of technical info. It doesn't really change, so I don't feel a need to keep repeating it over and over again. One thing that has changed, however, is I will say for this particular sequence of episodes, um, the ED has changed. It is yes. Sono Koe wo... Oh, oh god, I... Sono Koe <laughs> wo... Obo e teru. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is that actually... Please tell me this has an English translation somewhere. I mean, on Mel, I think it said something... I, no, actually, on Mel, it just says that. That's what it's called. It doesn't oh even have God. a translation. Anyway, if anyone can tell me what that actually means, that would be great. <laughs> I'm just looking for the day that someone will make a compilation of you trying to pronounce words in Japanese. <laughs> I'm not great at it. I'm not great at pronouncing words in English. Um... <laughs> Uh, but no, it's by uh, it's by Marina Kawano. Um, it's pretty good. Do you have anything to say about this particular ED? Uh, no, I just I just appreciated that uh, the visuals. The same thing for the previous ED. The visuals change for each uh, arc, uh, and that's really cool. I mm. really really enjoyed the visuals in the EDs so far. It's, they're good. It's funny because you you and I have talked about it a couple of times now. How the EDs for Monogatari seem to have this distinct like overall feel mm-hmm. throughout the run, at least from what we've seen so far. Yeah, and um, I it grows on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely something else. But I really, really enjoy that consistency, so so to speak. Yeah. I, for you know, you and I talked about it. Like in the beginning, you 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 see it and you're like, "What is this?" And you, you're not sure if you really like it or not. And then after a few times seeing it, it, it just kind of grows on you. Yeah, it has its own distinct personality, and it's DED. So you know, yeah. it's like if you like don't particularly enjoy them, you like just skip it. A lot of people skip DEDs, so, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but moving on, let's talk about Nautico Medusa. Yes. This arc is um, great. This one also, the, this one also has a new uh, OP. It is Mosu Express, sung by the great one herself, Kana Hanazawa. Probably top five OPs in the entire series for me. I'm gonna say something that very few people agree with about Mosu Express. Oh, don't tell me you don't like it. Oh no, I do. Okay, I actually think it's better than Renai Circulation. I agree with that. 
I think it is. I, there's a lot of people because Red, Red Eye Circulation is just like this iconic OP in anime, right? It's also good but, meme and, material. Red Eye Circulation. It it is great meme material, to be fair. But like, I listened to them side by side, and actually, I did this before we started mm. uh, today. I listened to them side by side, and like, just the song itself, Mosu Express, I like better. And I think I actually like the visuals of Mosu Express better too. I love the visuals of Mosu Express better. Yeah, they, because it builds on Rene Circulation in the best way possible. Of you know, Rene Circulation is such a poppy and fun and cute OP, very much like um, very very deserving for Nadeko as she's present in Bakemonogatari, right? But then you have. Monster Express, yeah. it's like this very dark and twisted version of Rene Circulation. It's it's amazing how it builds up on uh how it builds on top of that OP. Like and I love the visuals yes. of it. Uh but you, you mentioned you mentioned Nautico. Uh she's back. Uh the the, the girl from black. the arc we thought was kind of just a little bit just there in Bakemonogatari. She's back. Um so getting into this, like the first episode, um you mentioned it, uh, the phrase before we started. It it begins in media res, like in the middle of the action. Yep. And we see that she's been like fully transformed into something. We're not quite sure what because she's got like white hair and like is is kind of all over the place. Yeah, it starts very 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 violently <laughs> pretty much not uh, yes it does start quite violently because we yeah. see nautico actually fighting and attacking both shinobu <clears throat> and koyomi destroying would be a much better word i think because she just decimates yes. them <laughs> and and he- and and you see both shinobu and koyomi using this language towards her of like they're actually trying to kill her yeah <clears throat> they're viewing her um, as like shinobu even tells Aragi, that's not nautico she's an enemy like they're very much trying to yeah. kill her, which is very implying that she is uh, she is turned into one of these apparitions that they've been trying to destroy during their time together. Yeah, it's it's very shocking because you know again last time we see Nadeko, she's this very quiet, cute person, shy, shy girl. girl. Like you know nothing really to almost to a fault, nothing really special about her. She's like and the thing we talked about. She's probably the the most boring character in Bakke, right? Uh, but now she's like yeah. Well, completely you insane. and I talked about it. It's 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 the most boring arc in Bakke. I yeah, think. it's the weakest one of the bunch. Uh, but then you said suddenly... it's funny because she mm-hmm. she she appears in Bakke Monogatari and is kind of just there, right? right? Like it doesn't seem like she has much of a point except just to be introduced. And then she comes back briefly in um, in Ise Monogatari, incredibly horny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's back and trying to kill everybody. Yeah, that that journey is like I think what makes this arc her, that journey from her character arc is ridiculous. It's incredible. I love it. But yeah, it's th- this arc is very shy and demure. Done. Shy and demure, incredibly horny. Kill, kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what a character arc! And also, she's talking to a snake. That's the thing. Yeah, that's she's happened. talking to this snake, and uh, it, and just you as an audience member, you're like, well, what? What, what the obviously fuck is something's going on? happened, right? What the fuck? <laughs> and you're like, what, what's happened? And then of course the story goes back to to many days before this happens. Um, it goes back to Halloween, October thirty first. Which, by the way, um, last time we talked, um, Mayoi Jiangxi happened in August twenty 
23rd? Yes. Or something like that. So some months of uh, toward the end of August, yes. I don't remember the exact date off the top of my head, but um, but yeah, something I do like believe. That. Um, so some some months. Well, have I'm, look, I'm looking at looking at the synopsis now. It says the last day of summer vacation. So whatever that happens to be. Yeah, it was near the end of August. The previous two arcs. Uh, so now we jumped ahead yes. in time in a few month a few months ahead in time, and yeah, Nadekoi is on her way to school, and everything seems okay, I suppose. Until she meets Ogi Oshino, Spooky she's Ogi. back. <laughs> so I want to I want to ask you. So this is what the third time that Ogi has appeared. Second, I can't. remember. I think that's the second time. Like the first time we saw her was before Mayoichi and Kshi, where you have that little okay. scene between Araki and uh, Ogi talking about streetlights. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay. Yes, you're right. So this is the second time that she's appeared and actually spoken. Right. Um. I have to ask you, so going back to the the very first time you may have watched uh, the Monogatari series all the way through, was this the point at which you started asking yourself, who the fuck is this girl and why do we keep talking to her? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, exactly that's how I felt. It's like, okay, who the fuck is this? She seems cool. I like her, like, design. I like her voice. Like, but something's weird with her, right? Because Don't lie, Natai. You wanted her to give you sleeve dickings. No comment. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you like you you look at this chick. It's like okay, what the fuck is up with this? But we're not given that many details, uh, and every time we are mm. given some details, like very, very, very strange. Just like this upcoming conversation she has with Nadeko, she says some things that are real weird. Um, but but I mm. love the interactions we get from Oki in this season. I also I also like the fact that, again this is another thing that when I first watched this it made me really start to question like who is this fucking Ogi character is like during the conversation Ogi is talking to Nadako as if they've already met yeah but they've never actually met and Nadako is like why are you why do you know my name what do you know my name and then Ogi comments to herself oh wait right I wasn't an acquaintance with you yet or something like that yeah <laughs> which is really strange. And like she talks, she talks to Nadeko. She mentions things like, "Oh, this is just a side story. Don't worry about it." It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, Monogatari loves to break the fourth wall, like every now and then. But the way she talks about like things and events, it's very different than the other characters. Yeah, yeah. I this is this this was the exact point when I started watching the Monogatari series originally. I was like, I need to know more about this Ogi chick that keeps showing up. Well, I like that you that you felt that way because we still have a while to go till we learn more about her. Yeah, we do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. But this conversation they have, yeah, it's a little weird. But you know, as many conversations in Monogatari are. Um, but one of the things that comes out of this is um, Ogi is telling Nadeko that she needs to stop playing the victim all the time. And, mm-hmm. and like, this starts this whole, I don't know what you call it, like a barrage of self-doubt yes. that Nadeko starts to have about herself. It's like, do I? Do I always play the victim? Yeah, it's like they, they pose the question of, like, of like maybe the victim, like, is, like, a, is, like, what, like... Is it okay for her to be the victim? Because she tells her it's very easy to be a victim, mm. right? Like, it's very easy to be a victim. Like, she even tells her, you can look down and you'll be sure to stay the victim, but will it work this time? Whatever this time means. 
And it's very that's very spot on for Dadako because her her character type as this like very quiet person, she always just looks down and like hopes things will go fine. Um as we mm-hmm. noticed from the previous arcs, like she's a very passive character. She doesn't try to like do things too much to progress like to solve her problems. Right. Yeah. And that's something else that that um that Ogi kind of brings up is that just how easy it is to always play the victim and not actually be the victim. Mm-hmm. It, it's easy once you once you get into that mentality like of of being a victim. It's it's very difficult to actually get out or even want to get out of it mm-hmm. because people are always coming to do stuff for you, and it's it's nice not having to worry about stuff all the time. Yeah, and. But it's also kind of self-defeating because then you never actually get to grow as a person if you do that. Yeah. And, like, don't get me wrong. Like The events that happened in, like, back in Bake, that the that charm that was cast on her and that whole, all of these events, that, that happened because Kaiki was around and he sold all of these things to, like, to kids around town. And, yeah, like, there were victims that resulted from that event, but, like, okay, how long can you stay the victim? Like, at, at some point, yeah. time will pass, and like, okay, what are you going to do about your life, right? And that's sort of, like, one of the questions that Ogi sort of poses on her. Yeah. I love this note that you wrote down here, depressing road, depressing school life. <laughs> because there's, there's this nice moment where Nariko, after she's talking to Ogi, she's going, she's going, she's on her way to school. And before she's talking to Ogi, she's like, notes how the road to school is very, is very depressing. And she arrives at school, she's like, how the school is very depressing. It's like, mm. everything is depressing around her for some reason. And that's because... You know... Hmm? Go ahead. No, that's because like she, we're gonna delve into her school life for a bit about how that has changed because of the events with Kaiki, uh, which is yes. Really and cool. I, before we, before we actually move on to it, I wanted to mention one thing. So uh, again, we have Ogi here, right? right? And Ogi is allegedly Meme Oshino's niece, mm-hmm. um, allegedly, um, and uh, we, uh, you remember that that lesson that Meme was trying to teach Koyomi about not living solely for others. Right. It's almost like in a roundabout way, she's trying to tell Nadako the same thing. Hmm. Hmm. I swear to God, it's so often that Monogatari comes back to this, this line of Meme's where it's like, you can't always live your life for others. And eventually people have to save themselves. Yep. And in that arc with Nadako, she didn't save herself. She was the most passive character in that arc. And she didn't grow from that yeah. at all. And this arc, as we noticed... No, all she be- learned how to do was grope Koyomi. <laughs> and as we saw from the beginning of this first episode of the arc, well, shit's about to go down, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> She's about to be... She Look look at me, look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look at me. I'm but the no, So now. she finally does actually get to school, right? What's that? Um... I'm talking about Nadako. Yes. So a- after the conversation with Ogi, number one, she realizes after Ogi leaves that more time passed than she realized. Hypnosis, um, maybe. But I... there was—I love this one <laughs> shot of Ogi, just like you from Nadako's point of view, and she's like multiplying for some reason. It's very much like, uh, "What is? What are you doing, Ogi? What's this crazy bitch?" <laughs> um, 
but um she goes she gets to uh she gets to class or she gets to school rather and when she gets to school she starts having these like delusions or visions of what looks like white snakes and uh she also it's also worth mentioning that we find out when she gets to school that her class is sort of i guess you would say like superficially peaceful yeah like there's there's a great uneasiness in the classroom it's because when Kaiki showed up, so apparently almost everyone bought charms from him. So everyone mm. sort of like are indifferent to each other because they all know about who feels how about each kid in class, who hates who, who likes who, or whatever. And so now everyone's just either indifferent or ignorant of each other. But like, so nothing is like, no one's actually fighting anyone, but they're like, no one's connected to anyone anymore. So do you? I, I, this is a slight difference that the anime has from the light novel. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, so in the anime, it's only ever implied that Kaiki conned the middle school kids, right? Mm. Um, in the light novel, it is also implied that a few of the teachers at that school were conned by Kaiki, including Nadako's homework oh, teacher. Oh, interesting. I don't know why the anime kind of leaves this out, and it's never stated directly in the in the light novel. It's it's heavily implied, however, that Nadako's homeroom teacher was also conned by Kaiki. Interesting. I don't know. It, it, I don't remember if they said it was the charms, like the same thing the middle schoolers did, or in some other way. But I feel like that's a big part of the reason why the teacher didn't want to take like full responsibility for getting the class back on that's track. That's interesting because I think that like maybe they were just. Again, cut like short on time, so they didn't add that like plot point. But maybe it's also because mm. to like maybe a bit of commentary on like school system in Japan. Because yeah, just like you said, so like the homeroom teacher is very much like uh, he's like looking for others to like solve this problem. It's not taking it. He feels like that's not his responsibility to like fix the situation in the class. He's trying to get one of his students to solve his problem for which him, which is really fucked up. I wonder if they changed that like it was sort of like more commentary and sort of not to to change it so the teacher is also sort of a victim of Kaiki, right? Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. That's an it's interesting just, change. It, it's a very it, it's a seemingly minor change from the light novel to the anime, but I thought I'd, I'd bring it up. That's cool. That's really interesting. Um. And then, so anyway, after um, we see that the the uneasiness of this classroom, she actually does leave the class briefly to call Koyomi for uh, advice about the uh, the white snake visions that she sees uh, she's seeing. I also want to point out, you can definitely tell that this anime is uh, over ten years old because there's fucking payphones. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love that. I just the design I, of the. Town. I can't remember the last time I've seen a payphone. It's high. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. But I kind of like that design of the like the town. I guess that it's sort of like trapped in time, you know, like that. It does. Like even the cars that they have, they look like cars out of the seventies. Yeah, I, that's one of the things I loved about the show. It's like the setting of the town, how they depict that. It's like it's like retro futuristic. <laughs> also, did you notice know, that people have these massive houses too? <laughs> and then you have Itagi's house, which is just like planks and a room, a room. <laughs> it's just a room on top of a building did you did you catch that her shadow is always uh, like portrayed as a snake 
Yes, it's I really, did. Really, really cool. If you do pay, if you do pay attention, her shadow is very slithery. Yeah, it's very slithery. It's re- I, I like that. But yeah, she calls Aragi because she sees white snakes everywhere all the time. It's like uh, Onichan, um, <laughs> something's up. Onichan, Daisuke. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> um. But yeah, so Koyomi's like, yeah, uh, we'll meet 10 p.m. my house, and because uh, Shinobu will be up, and sh- and she'll probably know what to do, or she'll she'll know about whatever's going on. Now, in a time um, of crisis, of course, like the appropriate appropriate reaction to that would be, oh, I look forward to that. It's like, um, bitch, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I love his reaction to that. How so? She so Nadeko is like telling him, "Oh, I look forward to that." And he's like, uh, "Nadeko, is everything okay? I don't know why you're looking forward to talk, us talking about your problem, but sure." And then she's like, uh, "She wants that up. Koyomi dick." Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, but right after she hangs up the phone with uh, Koyomi, she actually starts hearing the voice of a snake that instructs her to meet at the shrine where she was going at uh, during the events of Bakemonogatari, shortly before she was introduced, where she was killing snakes at that shrine, right? Right. She thought that was solve um, And it's revealed that that's, that's, yeah, that snake that was talking to her was a giant uh, apparition of a snake. His name is, uh, I always Kuchinawa. want to call him Kunichiwa. Kunichiwa? <laughs> Wow. But he it's Kuchinawa. I always want to call him Kunichiwa though. Wow. So racist. <laughs> Kuchinawa. I know. Um and he's asking Nadako for like compensation or restitution for all the snakes um that he killed by asking her for a favor. And without even hearing the favor, she's like, Okay. <laughs> oh, first of all, you dumb bitch. Because she feels guilty. And he plays on that guilt that she feels for doing all of that. He's like, well... It's funny because, like, Kaiki was obviously able to trick her once before, right? Yeah. And it just shows how naive she is because Kaiki also played on her guilt and got her to give him money. And this snake is now playing on her guilt. she's a stupid kid. <laughs> exactly. She's a stupid kid. But yeah. It's funny to me because people one of one of people's uh, one of the, one criticism I have heard people lobby at Monogatari is that some of the younger characters don't act like younger characters and I agree that sometimes they don't talk like younger characters but they're definitely naive like young people yeah, are. Yeah. I agree. Like especially Nanako, I think she's very consistent in her actions. Um hmm. and in this arc her actions are whoosh. <laughs> But yeah, that's like episode one. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, that is that is episode one. Um uh, so we get to episode two. We find out that uh She called off our fucking liar. She's a fucking liar, you lying whore. Why the fuck you lying? Why the fuck you lying? <laughs> so she tells our Aggie um, that she's fine, that they they don't need to meet up. And this I'm fine now. This is fine. This is fine. <laughs> And of course she's like, oh no, I lied to Onichan. And it's like, Ugh, oh my god. And Kuchina was telling her, okay, go out there and find my corpse. And find my body. Find my body. Um, but he also does a lot. So they, they reach this agreement, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. where during the day she's allowed to kind of live her life as usual, going to school, doing things. But at night, he has to, or she has to go out and look for uh, Kuchinawa's body. Right. And um, 
so the next day she goes to school and the class is still in a bad mood. Um, and we also find out, I think this is the first time it's mentioned that she's actually the class president. This is the first time they mentioned because previously she wasn't. They, I love how they mention how like no one volunteered to be class president. So just president. So it was sort of pushed on her because people were like, ah, sure. Not a co. She's quiet. She's cute. Like whatever. Yeah. In which, because um, she's class president, so she's actually, uh, wait, is this now when she's approached by the teacher? Hold on. I think she is. Uh, that is in episode three. I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. Never there. mind. Then. Keep going. I'm getting there. Um, <clears throat> I had to sneeze, too, so I had to <laughs> take a little breath there. Um, uh, but yeah, we find out, yes, that the the I, the position of class rep was forced on her. She didn't really want it. Um, nobody really wanted it. And, and who could blame them? Because they have a fucking teacher who's trying to toss all their shit onto them. <laughs> um, but then later that night, we find out that Nadako sneaks out of her room um, in true Hollywood fashion by sneaking across a wall i love how uh, it's like very it's very like silly how they portray it right she's like again she's sneaking up a wall she's like like childish yeah very childish she's like the door closes and then it makes a bit of sound so she's like <gasps> she's like gasping very very yeah it's it's very exaggerated but i love how it's portrayed mm. it's like maybe she's not taking um, the situation really very, very seriously you know because she's immature like a kid <laughs> I'm just pointing that out because it's a, it's a criticism I've heard of Monogatu, and it's like this is kind of proving you wrong. <laughs> um, but uh, Kuchinawa was uh, so it's it's also worth mentioning at this point that Kuchinawa is actually hiding himself on her body by turning himself into a scrunchie that she's wearing around her arm, um, and that's how she, he's like able to follow her around and not people not be fucking suspicious. Speaking of things she's wearing, I just want to give a quick quick shout out to her design in this arc because it's awesome like a lover outfit yeah uh wow i got nothing from you (laughs) no well i'll i could say what i want to say but i we might get demonetized Uh, we're not even monetized we might get fucking you're the one who's talking to me about oki giving hand jobs this sick pervert (laughs) Uh, but anyway um the whole thing is she's basically just kind of walking around right Mm mm-hmm and Kuchinawa was like, uh, the scrunchie will vibrate if you get close to my body. And uh, all of a sudden, it starts vibrating and it leads her to this, like, sandbox where, again, like a kid, she's digging through the fucking sandbox. Um, and they don't really find anything. Mm-hmm. At least not anything of substance. And then all of a sudden, you look up and, oh, it's Koyomi. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, oh, shit. Um, who... Then leads her home to his house. And of course, um, she's like, oh, Odisha's room. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. God damn it, um, And it's revealed, it's revealed that Nadiko's parents realized that she was missing, probably because they heard her leave the house because she was making so much noise. Um, and they actually called Tsukihi, Koyomi's sister, who lied to them. There's a lot of lying that goes on in this arc. Yeah. She lies <laughs> um, as she breathes. They all lie as they breathe, <laughs> um, um, and lied to Nadako's parents, saying that she was actually sleeping there for the night. Um, and then that's when uh, Koyomi left the house to go look for her. Um, she, 
And then <laughs> I love I love this I love this next sequence because she's actually in Koyomi's room and then Koyomi is insinuating to Nadako that they should sleep together. Oh my god, that dumbass. <laughs> it's like, oh you should sleep and then you should sleep in my bed. It's like, oh stop it, stop it, stop it. As he's making like these really creepy like hand gestures, like he's gonna fucking uh and then all of a sudden, um Shinobu jumps out of his shadow and knocks him out. Vampiric punch? I love it. Kyuketsuki punch! <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Shinobu talks to Nariko, which is, that's a first. That's a first. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, Shinobu is aware of Nariko because she sort of lives in Koyomi's shadow and knows pretty much everything that goes on in his life. There is, yeah. But and this is the first time they talk one-on-one. She and she tells her, oh, "Don't worry, I'll take Aragi to the sofa. Some of you can sleep in in his bed." And then she, and then like, there's this work specifically. I wrote so many exchanges in my notes because there's just so many good lines. So she, so Nariko mm-hmm. apologizes, and Shinobu asks, "Are you apologizing because you feel you're at fault, or because you took the hint that this is a situation you should apologize in?" As if reading some sort of script. And it's like again that it's like as in every previous arc in this season just goes into her her character her archetype that we were presented with in it's, the previous season. It's also presented as a biting question for Nadako because yeah. there's like almost there's almost ten seconds of silence after she asks this question. Mm-hmm. She can't come up with an answer because she knows that Shinobu's right. And then she, and then Shinobu is like doubling down on that. She's like talking to her how like her science is sort of a weapon for Nadako, because like people will assume some things of Nadako for being quiet and just being cute, but Shinobu sees through that. That it's like that's sort of like there's something sinister about that, because she herself was like yeah. very quiet not too long ago back in Bake, you know. So she's like, eh, I'm on to you. I know something's like it's up to you how you. I mean, and she even. She even uses that phrase, devilishly cute. Yep. Yep. It's a great conversation. I love that. I, I really, really like that. Because, again, it's sort of like she just... It's, it takes that archetype we were presented with and just tears it down and breaks it down. Yeah. Um, speaking of great conversations, though, that leads us wonderfully into episode three. Yes! Um, so... Uh, the very next day, uh, Nariko wakes up in Koyomi's room, and, and she's woken up by Tsukihi, um, who had st- <laughs> sneaks into Koyomi's bed trying to sleep with him. Mm-hmm. I love how there's so much... Everyone's there's horny so in much series. fucked up shit that's implied in the Monica in the uh, Koyomi or in Koyomi's household. There's so much incest that's implied in that household, and yet somehow like her, their parents are like probably the most upstanding citizens ever, and they have these like fucking degenerates as kids. <laughs> yeah, good lord. Um, but then that that whole that conversation between Nariko and Sukihi, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where Sukihi is essentially forcing her to confess that she has feelings for her brother. Yeah, and then she's like, "Wait, you don't really know my brother that much. Like, you've been like you've talked to him like a few years ago, but ever since then, how many interactions have you had with him? And not much, apparently, until uh, yeah. until recently." 
And basically what, what Tsukihi kind of outlines for Nadako in this conversation is, and, and Nadako really doesn't even take the fucking hint with it, is that Nadako's not in love with her brother. She's in lust with her brother. Yeah, like, she even, like... She's in love with the idea, the idea of, of Koyomi, like, yeah. not actually Koyomi. Like, Tsukihi even uses an example of, like, an idol in, on TV. She's like that t- type of love, right? And yeah. then she, um, and then Tsuki like tells Nariko that like he has a girlfriend, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that makes it sort of. He has a wife, you know. <laughs> you know what she's called? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. We were watching Life of Brian clips before this. I couldn't resist. <laughs> he has a wife, you know. <laughs> he has a wife, you know. <laughs> Uh, Life of Brian's podcast went anyway, and she's yeah, and again she's like he has a girlfriend. That sort of still like doesn't doesn't like uh, like make her back down, right? It's like and no, and in her childlike naivete, she's like, oh, I can take care of that. Like, bitch, no, you can't. And Nadeko even admits, like, I can't really change anything about it. And Tsuki is like. And she says, it feels like you're reassured by having a romance that will never come to fruition. And that's so fucking spot on. That's so spot on for another. It is. That's exactly it. And I, you know, I wonder how like real that is for some people, because I feel like this is something that happens to many people like unrequited love. Right. Yep. Where just the idea that one day you might be with this person is just enough. Yeah, because you're thinking to yourself, oh, maybe one day they'll come around. Maybe right now they're in a relationship, but sometime they'll break up and they'll be there to pick up the pieces or something like that. Like that whole sort of narrative you go through your head to justify that. But it's that's that's not how it works. That's not even close. Yeah. And even, even Tsukihi is like, and? Like, what if it never happens? But then, and like, and there's doesn't no answer know for that because yeah. Nadako doesn't think it's not, it's never gonna happen. Nadako thinks eventually it'll happen. And then Tsuki just being like the the, the chat that she has just cuts her hair, like her bangs. It's just like, yeah, there you go. Pulls out scissors from I don't know from her pussy or something. Oh I don't God, know, Alex. and just cuts her hair. <laughs> uh, where was she keeping it? She got no pockets. She has a yukata, dude. She keeps it that somewhere. You don't know. Maybe she took it from uh-huh. Araki's desk. I, well, I guess the question I should ask is where was where was Hitagi keeping all those school supplies? Uh, that, that's I can't object to that question. That's true. <laughs> and but yeah, like just like the 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 sigma the sigma Chad that she is, she just reaches out and cuts her bangs. And so that's something that was also brought up earlier. It's like the reason she has her bangs out like that is because she doesn't have to necessarily look people in the eye. She can look through her hair and kind of obscure her face. Yeah, that people are like, oh, just just sort of let her be because they're like, oh, she doesn't really uh, either not paying attention or just doesn't really want to like continue a conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she um, goes back to school and the teacher doesn't even recognize her. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, w- I, w- I do want to say when she goes back to school, it leads to one of the, the greatest sequence of events in, in Monogatari, yes. in my opinion, yes. that, where she's berating her class. This is like, one of the okay, best things so in the show. For, for one thing we haven't really discussed is um, is the voice acting in the show a whole lot in, in Monogatari. Um, this is one particular scene where the voice acting, the the quality of the voice acting, goes from to, from 
it's to eleven. Yes, like it, yeah. it's through the fucking roof is what it is. Like I never do. Like, the voice acting throughout Monogatari is great, mm. but this particular scene and and the the crazy thing is that it's being done by Kana Hanazawa, right? right? Who is voicing Nadako, and Kana Hanazawa is not known for playing angry. Uh, bitter or like loud she plays characters. characters. She's known for playing the shy, quiet, yeah. demure characters. But then, like, and this is like unbelievably good on her part. I never how well she. Does I never this. knew she had this this range. Like holy shit! Mm-hmm. Like the moment she just like because how we get there is so, so she arrives in she arrives at school and the teacher is like trying to like because he asked her to help with the whole situation with class where no one's talking to each other, everyone's like indifferent to each other, and. He asks her again now after she got this haircut and she just goes off on him. It's like, it's like, dude, why do you like shove this responsibility on me? Like you're the, you're the adult here, you're the teacher. It's like, fine, fuck it. She's like, I'll do this myself. And she goes to class. She kicks the door open and she just goes out on all the kids. Like, it's amazing how, like, how she, she changes her voice in that scene. Yeah, and you, like you can tell just from the 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 sound of her voice how gravelly <gasps> or not gravelly, gravelly it is, how angry she fucking is. She sounds like, and it's like it's like she's she's allowed all of this to build up like a pressure cooker, yeah, and it's just boosh, all going out at one time. Yeah, I, I love how like she ha- she has this like ha huh? sort of like like a JoJo character. She's like huh? <laughs> It's great. I love it. It's a wonderful scene. (laughs) It is. Uh, And also, so after this happens, she kind of just leaves school, which, I mean, fucking Chad move, I guess. (laughs) Kick the door down and then leave. (laughs) Um, That this uh, the snake apparition, uh, Kuchinawa tells her, like, the reason you did that, the reason you did that is because. I'm here, and I'm helping you get all these repressed feelings you have out. <laughs> he, he literally says, you broke off your shackles, and she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and then she, I mean, it, she did, though. Yeah, she did. She went off on her class for being like a bunch of dicks for each other, and she is like, come on, people, we're in this together. What's wrong with you? It, yep. Like... What the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, but then he's like, well, I know where's my, where's this corpse at? Where's my object of worship is? And surprise, surprise, it's in our Aragi's room somehow. Uh, shocking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the talisman. Um, I There's a, there's a whole fucking story with that talisman, but we still I mean, don't know do how. we really want to go into it? it that'll, that'll be sometime... Not now, apparently, but somehow it this talisman. Yeah, okay. I feel I feel like this is something maybe down the road we need to talk about, but not right no. now. So she goes to his room. She searches for the talisman. She finds porn. Finds his porn, and she's sort of like, well, searching for it. She's thinking about like this conversation she had with Suki, and she's like, maybe the reason she loves him is because it's easier for her to. Maybe that's how she, it like allows her not to get hurt because if she keeps having this like sort of facade of unrequited love, she doesn't need to like deal with like someone like confessing their love to her or like trying and like be in a relationship because ah oh, no like I love this person even though like I'll never be with them, and which is kind of sad, kind of pathetic even. Um, yeah. yeah, 
Um, but then she finds it. She she finds the thingy in the porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in, in the porn. Uh, great hiding place, Koyomi. Uh, but speaking of which, um, so uh, Kuchinawa tells her to, to eat the talisman, and then Koyomi's like, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and he walks in the room like a fucking Chad. <laughs> yeah, and then we um, arrive at episode four. I do I do like how the episode ends because mm. Nadako's like talking to the snake out loud and uh like cuz the um uh the snake is like you know if you do this for me I'll give you whatever what your wish is what's your wish what's your wish right. and it's like her wish is she says out loud to the snake that her wish is to have feelings for Koyomi or for Koyomi to have feelings yeah toward her right. rather and Koyomi just steps into the room after that's listening to the entire conversation happen. it's like that's not going to happen Black screen. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Such a good ending to the episode. It's so good. (laughs) Um, But no, then we get to the final episode of this arc. Um, Despite everything Koyomi tells her, Nadako just swallows the talisman and then revives, more or less, uh, Kuchinawa, the snake snake apparition. And while that happens, Uh, we get a lot of interesting details. Apparently, one of them is, like, Shinobu mentions that Gaim gave Aragi this talisman, which is mm -hmm. weird. And we also have this, like, Mm -hmm. sort of, like, inner, like, monologue, uh, this monologue that Nadeko has with herself that about, like, how she's not a victim, uh, like, she's... How she is the victim, but she's also the wrongdoer, which is, again, going back to, uh, yes. like, the conversation she had with Ogi and the Kuchinawa to some extent about, like, what is a victim, what is a wrongdoer, if, if there's maybe a difference between the two. And, yeah, but now she is transformed into a monster. And she yeah. goes off on Aragi because his first instinct is to save Shinobu, who is now hurt. And Nadeko is like, why the fuck are you saving Shinobu and you're not trying to save Mioni-chan? And she just murders him <laughs> she just fucking murders him um but don't worry she loves him <laughs> also so also during the during this um exchange that we're talking about um back in the first episode where she meets ogi and like like i said that um when she left the conversation, she didn't realize how much time had passed. It's because she had forgotten an entire part of the conversation where it was Ogi who revealed what the talisman was. Yep. Ogi, Ogi tricked her. Ogi, Ogi is a sneaky... This is this is why I'm telling you. This is the part where I was like, who the fuck is Ogi? Why is she going to be so important? Yeah, what is, what is, why is she doing this? Why? Why? Why is a big question when it comes to Ogi? Yeah, I I feel like we could um, also Ogi is the one that gave her the scrunchie, mm-hmm. and th- my god, so <laughs> weird. But now we also know that now that Kuchinawa has been revived, so Nadako we cut back to the beginning, the very beginning of the first episode where Nadako is in the shrine with Kuchinawa by her side, and yeah. she's like they're talking yeah. about like again that whole concept of being a victim and Kuchinawa's like no 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 this is all her all your fault Nadeko don't get me wrong and like up until this very moment when he's with her he never existed it's just a prank bro (laughs) it's just a prank bro it's just a prank bro and it's it's very it's revealed that Kuchinawa was never never existed it was all her doing which is like the best twist in this entire arc that all of these events it happened because of her guilt or whatever it's like she fabricated this sort of story 
and it's all her doing. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning, I haven't even really touched on it yet. So this entire arc, well, I won't say the entire arc, a majority of this arc, a vast majority of the arc, is narrated by um, Nautico herself. In its entirety, and I think. it's, it, I guess there's there's a really small part at the, at the end where, right. anyway, yeah. um, it, it's a very, very, very small part where it's not, um, but, um, you kind of realize by the end that she's been a pretty unreliable narrator. Which is the best. <laughs> I fucking love it. It yeah. just <laughs> makes the arc so much more interesting and just shocking. It's like I said, everyone in this arc is just lying. Yeah, it just lies in deceit because you realize just how much of a fucked up person Adiko is underneath all of the fucking cute and moe facade that she was wearing all this time. Yeah, um, and it's it's also worth mentioning. So uh, we we like you say we go back to the very beginning of this arc. Um, Koyomi and and Shinobu are pretty much laid out on the ground. Um, they're they're really hurt, and and all the sudden, and uh, Nadako's gonna go for the kill, right? Yeah, because she she realizes she's never gonna get what she wants. So what's the point? She, I'm just gonna destroy everything. She she even says, if I'd have an unrequited love, it would be much more romantic if you died. Which is super fucked yeah. up. <laughs> it's super fucked up. Also super childish way to look at love. Uh, but just as she's about to do it, she hears Koyomi's phone ring, and it's Hitagi. Yes! Yes! And, uh, and they talk for the first time. Mm. And and it's an interesting conversation. Um, and I I love the whole thing where Hitagi's trying to like tell her to work out the math of how like you know Shinobu and Koyomi's uh, bond works and how Who should like, she kill first? the order that she should kill them in. And it's like and she's she's even like you know is there any way is there anything I can say to get you to spare all of us? And Nadia's like Nah, bitch, <laughs> that's not happening. So Itagi uh, is asking her, well, why not you wait just a bit before you kill us? And she's like, okay, what what do you want? She's like, wait for graduation day, and then you can kill us. I also like that when, when she says that, like, Nautico, like, smirks and almost lets out a, a, a laugh. It's like, okay, what's going to change between now and then? Kaka. Kaka. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But... It's, so that that basically that sets up a, an arc that will come soon. Uh, and then they end the conversation but not with, next. with Nadako saying, you know, under different circumstances circumstances we might have been friends. And Itagi deadpan is like, nah, I can never be your friend. And hangs up on her. Nah, never. <laughs> never, bitch, never. And that's not Nadako uh, Medusa. It's amazing. It's a fantastic yeah. arc. It's also, I mean, and the the episode itself does end with sort of like a flash forward. Um, yeah, where she where sort of narrated see... like a preview to a movie or whatever. It's great. Yeah, and it's it's supposed to be the day of graduation, and and well, I I feel like I shouldn't. No, nah, I, I won't say it. I'll I'll, I'll save it. Um, but um. It shows the day of graduation, and and Nadako's there at the at the shrine waiting for uh, Koyomi and Hitagi and Shinobu, and they do show up, and they're accompanied by Kamburu and Hanakawa. And 
and Nanako is very much like, I'm lucky to be the final boss of this story, which goes back to this same Monogatari <laughs> with someone just commenting on how she's like the final boss or whatever, and everyone's like, huh, that's weird. Bitches, she is. Yeah. And that is the end of Nautica Medusa. We've talked about this for almost 50 minutes. Oh my minutes god, we still have another arc. We're so sorry, John. <laughs> I'm so sorry, John. Anyway, let's get into let's it. Get uh, Shinobu cracking. Time. Yes. Shinobu Time starts off almost immediately after um, Mayoi Jiangshi. Uh, Kabuki Monogatari yeah. ends. Uh, Mayoi Jiangshi. Jiangshi. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Any I, Kabuki Monogatari, that's easy for me to say. Yes. Um. So they, uh, sh- um, Koyomi and Shinobu have returned from their trip through time, and he comes back and he meets Mayoi, and they're going back to uh, Koyomi's house to finally get her backpack. Until, uh, and, and until, um, and and it's worth mentioning that Koyomi is uh has got his bike, and they're kind of just going down, and all of a sudden here comes the. Uh, what I guess what they're they they term the darkness something uh, is, that is chasing, chasing them down. Them. Yes. Now I want to ask you when you first watch this. Now we, we've had Ogi introduced, right? And she's like this dark, mysterious being. Did you think that Ogi had something to do with this? No, I honestly I no, I I actually like I think one of the reasons I didn't like this arc very much at the beginning is because this like whole darkness thing felt very kind of. Just out of contrived, nowhere. right? Like yeah, kind of like a Deus Ex Machina almost. Sort of, yeah, and it sort of felt like kind of pointless. I was like, okay, that's a bit weird, but sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I actually had a suspicion that maybe Oki might have been behind this, but I wasn't sure. Mm. It's because like we've gotten this ki- new character that's been introduced, right? Right. Um, and like all of a sudden now we have this new thing like the darkness. I'm like, what is one is two and two connected here? I don't know. One oh, plus one, I've that's completely quick forgotten. Math. So, yeah, yeah. Um, we also did get a new OP in uh, Shinobu Time. Now, there is a story behind this OP that I didn't know about that you informed me of right before we started. Mm. So do you want to tell people what happened with this OP? So, yeah, if you watch this show while it was aired or just on Crunchyroll right now. So, actually, the this arc of Shinobu and the next arc that is that Shinobu has in Inowari Monogatari. So, they have no OPs for some reason. And, like, at first I was like, okay, I guess she just doesn't have an OP. But no, apparently it just wasn't ready. Thanks, Shaft. Uh, so when Shaft released the Blu-rays, they added this OP called White Lies, which is really cool. It's not a... It's also very different from almost every other Monogatari yeah. OP. It doesn't really have lyrics in the traditional it's, sense. It, it's really just kind of, like, chanting, almost. Yeah, it's this very... It's actually in German. Uh, this both of the op that she ops that she shinobu has, um, they this very strange different style with German just chorus very operatic sort of songs in the background, very very different, very cool. I have they have their own identity which I really like. Do you know why it's in German? Because is German. But there you go. <laughs> There you have it, which is really cool. I I like that. Again, Chef just given this adaptation that extra mm, that extra spice. Yeah, before she became a vampire, she was German. Schnell, 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 Juden. 
<laughs> it's a joke. Um, I'm a Jew. Don't worry. No, you're right. Yeah. It, it is. A, it's. A, it's a great. It's a great touch. It really, really is. Um, and it's actually a really good OP. I mean, despite being very, very different from every other Monogatari OP, I really like it's it. Very um, I love the visuals for yeah. it too. Yeah, definitely. Um, but getting back to the actual story. So um, this thing is chasing. So we have the, 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 yeah, the darkness is chasing them out, and it almost looks like it's targeting them because it seems to be following them specifically through the town. Mm-hmm. Um, but on their on their way, you know, through the town trying to escape this thing, they run into uh, Ononoki with a post book. Uh, peace peace <laughs> um, and she she grabs them and flies away from them um and, and uh, the old should we talk about the kiss should we talk about the kiss so yeah this arc so is stupid you 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 mentioned you mentioned this when you were watching it to me it's like i forgot how horny this first episode was this entire arc is just i i think ri kissed more girls in this entire arc than in the rest of the show combined he kissed every girl almost except hitagi the one he's dating no nah, he kissed her just with, that was off screen because we respect them okay <laughs> okay okay um we'll, we'll go with that we'll go with that um but yeah they, they escaped to the the cram school yes. um and uh after Ononoki kisses him for helping. Oh, also worth mentioning that um, Ononoki seems really fascinated by muscles. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, she appreciates the finer things in life, I, Natai. I guess. I don't know what's up with this arc that it's so horny for lollies. I, I don't know, man. I, I do I do like how in this arc, because he spends, well, at least this first episode, uh, Koyomi spends an enormous amount of time in this first episode without a shirt on. They Shaft took great pains to uh, draw out his muscles. Oh, just wait till Kizu when we get even more details of those muscles, right? I know. Um, yeah, uh, she leaves and, well, she also tells uh, him in the course of this that um, her master... Kaganui is not quite available right now for some reason because uh, she's I guess for for some reason she's out doing a job um and uh also brings up the fact that um Koyomi probably relies on Shinobu and Hanakawa for information too much and she might be right about that she might be because Arag is kind of lost for ideas what the fuck is this thing that's chasing them um mm. Yeah, uh, and then Ononoki, yeah, she kisses Aragi like for as payment for rescuing him because he has no idea how to repay her. So that's the thing. Yeah, and then after she leaves, Shinobu's kind of mad. <laughs> and of course, the appropriate thing for Aragi to do is to kiss her now because I guess this is the thing we're doing this arc. <sighs> I like one thing I, I like well, I don't know if I like it but I noticed about this is so when, when he actually goes and kisses Shinobu like she kind of tenses up when he first kisses her but once he lays the smooch on her like she really loosens up and like she lets her arms drop and it's like she likes it <laughs> <sighs> I don't know man I don't know what Nisio Yusin was like fapping too while writing this like, <laughs> like sometimes like it's a lot of people will criticize this show for having a lot of fan service. And, like, you know, that's fair. But a lot of times... It's moments like this that make you think they're not wrong. Well, that that's the thing. So a lot of times I'll be like, I'll defend that because it's very tasteful. 
right? There's like mo- multiple purposes behind them, by, behind this furnace or fist. But then you have yeah. this shit. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, okay. Um, but anyway. Uh, and th- th- this whole time, though, this whole time, Mayoi has been like unconscious out. Oh, and, so, and of course, Aragi uh, was checking her out while she was unconscious. Cause of of course. course, of course, lifting her panties up <sighs> and lifting underneath because, of course, there might be an apparition under there. He was just being thorough. <laughs> I get nothing. <laughs> I get nothing. <laughs> My man. <laughs> um, so uh, Koyomi and Shinobu have like a conversation about the darkness. And uh, Shinobu relates a story about the time before where she actually saw this very same thing when she was in Japan 400 years ago. Yo, Alex, are you are you ready for some exposition? Are you ready for just a shit ton of exposition? I'm ready. It's like two whole fucking episodes of exposition? Yeah, I Because, my God, this is what we're into right now. <laughs> shit. Um. So pretty much, um, what... she also well, she also before the episode ends, she's also like the like the hook at the end of this episode is like if we don't do something about it, it's going to destroy this entire city. Yeah, black screen. Oh shit! <laughs> so sh- now, here we go again. Here we go again. So now she's going to tell about like her story, how she arrived in Japan four hundred years ago, and. it's a crazy story too because like she she isolated herself in antarctica for a long time because she was kind of tired of people yeah she was just kind of done yeah and then she realized that uh, i kind of miss this shit so uh, apparently another power that vampires have in this world is that they can just jump incredibly long distances and so she jumps from antarctica to japan yeah, and she even comments on how she's like she just expected more body of water, but she's like, oh shit, there's like land here. Like she wasn't aware of that area of the world, mm. so she lands in Japan um, and she crashes into a lake. She lands in a lake, yeah. Um, and because of course she landed in a lake, it and because she fell from such a great height, she displaced a bunch of the water in the lake, and it actually started to rain over these uh, surrounding villages around the lake that were suffering from a drought and she was able to relieve the drought and the people in these villages nearby specifically the village right around the lake began to revere uh gishot as an actual goddess they didn't view her as a monster they didn't view her as a villain they actually viewed her as a savior and a goddess and she began to be worshipped as she's sort of as a goddess of that lake yeah yeah and like (laughs) and like any good egomaniac (laughs) She she, uh, goes with she really milked that for a while. <laughs> now to give credit for this arc, like th- we get a lot of exposition, and like my problem with with it is we because while she's telling the story, we just get this like just pan panning shot on this like painting scenery or whatever. Now don't get me wrong, it looks beautiful. It's beautiful. It looks gorgeous, but it's still just a panning shot over a, a still images. And don't get me wrong, I love me some, like, adult kiss shot naked in, like, a bath or whatever. It looks amazing, but this arc, man, it just, it's just, it's, it's just it's strange. It's just strange that that's the direction they went with for it, how to portray as just, like, mm. a still image for, like, God knows how long. I, I, it's I a, it, it looks I, amazing. I, I, it just, I'm kind of torn about this arc in this... It, it was it was nice to have some backstory on Kiss Shot though. Yeah, finally. yeah. It just 
the way it's presented, it always was sort of jarring to me. It, I do agree. It could have been presented a little better. But I feel almost like all the crazy stuff that's happened in the last couple of arcs, this almost feels like a breather arc before the big shit kicks off, don't you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can agree with that. I can actually, I never thought about I can agree with that. It just, um, for me, I was. I, I say that this. knowing full well what the ending of this arc entails, but. Um, we'll get there. Anyway. Yeah, we'll get so there. We'll pretty get much there. Um, she was there, she also met this like warrior, this apparition killer, sort of. Yeah, who I they I guess they end up calling him the original demon hunter. I guess. Or demon killer, or demon slayer, eh? apparition slayer. <laughs> I, I don't know. It it depends. It it depends on what um what translation of Monogatari you're you're reading and or watching, I suppose. Um. I know in the in the Blu-rays the the phrase they use is um, apparition hunter. I think original apparition oh, hunter. On I Crunchyroll, wish just they just come with a fucking name for him. Well, uh, yeah, on Crunchyroll they call him the original apparition killer. Uh, but anyway, so she sort of befriends him. They she helps him in the village whenever they have issues with apparitions, and things are just fine. Uh, but then, just like as time pass moves on, oh, it's also it's also mm-hmm. worth mentioning that that uh, Kishad Shinobu and this dude became like really good friends. Yeah, they they got really close, and after a while, yeah. like for some reason, the entire village around her just started to disappear. Uh, and apparently, it's none other than this darkness that's hunting uh, Aragi in the present time. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I forgot where I was going with the sentence. <laughs> so pretty much, so the darkness just showed up and like swallowed the entire village and these operations. Yeah, like one by one, like all, all the surrounding villages around that lake, yeah. just like one by one, people were disappearing. Like the the, the, the villages themselves weren't destroyed. It's just the, the people, people were yeah. disappearing, spirited away is the phrase that they and use. Then, and then it got it tried to attack both Kisshot and the original apparition killer and... It almost got him, but then it, but Kisshot just took took him with her, and she jumped to Antarctica, and they somehow survived. And there he was about to. Well, die. she realized she realized that when they when she got there, that all she had was the demon hunter's hand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, she kind of theorized so that. So she you. actually used it. <laughs> she used she used that hand. She bit into it to revive him and turned him into a servant, just like she did to Kuyomi when they first met. Yeah, so he was her first servant. And then when this dude realized what she was, she wasn't a goddess. She wasn't this, you know, holy being. She was actually one of the monsters that he was out there trying to kill. He was very, very bitter about it. He was even, not happy. He even thought that maybe it was her plan all along to destroy the village. So he commits suicide. <laughs> he jumps towards the yeah, sun. Yeah, by jumping into the sunlight. Yeah. And I I also her. like how Shinobu relates that this is a very common way for vampires to die. They just get bored and jump into the sunlight. I mean, Araki even tells her, like, wait, so you didn't save him like you saved me back when I tried to jump into the sunlight? And, oh, when did that happen, Araki? I guess we'll know in the future. Uh, another reference to we'll something that happened in the past. But, yeah, apparently this um, guy just wanted to die. He didn't want to stay with her. And he blamed yeah. her for all that happened. Um, yeah, he did. Um and because of, and and it's revealed that the the darkness just kind of went away after that. Mm-hmm. Um kind of makes you think. Kind of makes you think there might be a connection here. 
Uh, yeah, that's episode. But two. anyway, manly exposition. Uh, that's episode two, uh, and Shinobu says that she she never returned to Japan until six months ago when she and Koyomi first met. Yep. Back to present time. Uh, so ab. Back to the present time with episode three. Um, Shinobu finishes telling her story, and they realize that Ononoki was in the hallway the whole time listening to the conversation, you cheeky bitch. I love when Shinobu grabs Ononoki, and she's, like, holding her. She shouts at Aragi, you can fondle her breast. Do it quick. And Aragi is like, it's not a turn-on if it's not one-on-one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um. Uh, also, Hachikuji And then Mayoi up. wakes up. Yeah, she wakes Hachikuji. up. Hachikuji, she's back. Um, and they, they all start talking about how to deal with the actual, um, the the darkness before it actually appears. Um, but as they're talking about it, lo and behold, here comes the fucking darkness to take them all. So Ononoki, again, uh, with her help, they escape and just jump out of the way. And they land outside Unlimited of the Unlimited rulebook. Unlimited rule. Uh, yeah, um, but it's it's kind of revealed once Koyomi wakes up that the darkness was able to at least partially, um, like envelop Koyomi's shadow, which is where Shinobu was at the time. But Shinobu isn't and... dead. But Shinobu isn't. But dead. she isn't here either. No. So it's kind of like, whoa, where is Shinobu? As the connection between the two. Was was it destroyed? Is she alive? She's yeah. not dead, but where is she? Hmm. Yes. Um. Essentially, they they kind of realize that they left her behind, more or less. Um. And that because of this, um, Koyomi's vampire powers are weakening. Mm-hmm. Um. Like he's not. He calls himself. He's not. He's no longer uh, immortal. He's quasi immortal. Yeah, or he's pseudo immortal. That's why he was like uh, resting for so many hours. Basically, like he'll. Yeah, yeah. It probably means that you know if he gets seriously hurt, he probably might not die, but it's going to take him a lot longer to recoup from those injuries. Now, it's not going to be instant like it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So what they do, they, they they none of them really know what to do, but they they figure out this plan to try and contact Gaian to figure out you know what what's going on and then maybe take shelter in a house. Uh, so they do that. They go out into the countryside because that's where they are, and they go to this seemingly random house. And who opens the door? But Izuko Gaian herself. Yeah, Gaian sent by. And that's that's pretty much episode three. <laughs> And now we arrived at the big one. Yeah, episode four. So this is the sad, this is feely time. It's time to get feels. Mm. Are you are you sure um, you're gonna make it through this uh, part? <laughs> well, okay, uh, the first part easily. So, um, Gaian, who knows everything, remember? Um, we remember that from her first appearance, where she scolded uh, Hanakawa, Hanakawa yeah, for not knowing anything. <laughs> um. Gaian uh, requests for Koyomi to do three things for her. Um, all, all of them, pretty much being centered around Kamburu, who she is related to. She's her. Aunt. She's related to. Um, yeah, because um, so Kamburu's name is Kamburu Su- uh, Suruga. Now she used to be called, uh, or well, Su- Suruga Gaian. Suruga Kamburu. She used to be known as Suruga Gaian. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that was her mother's name, mm-hmm. and we find out that Izuko Gaian is actually the sister of 
Kamaru's mother. Yeah. Everyone following? <laughs> For some reason, a lot of people are very curious about Kamaru. First, it was Kaiki back in Nisei. Now it's Gaian. It's something's up yeah. with Kamaru. Yeah. It's almost like we're going to get an entire arc dedicated to her what? soon. Uh, <laughs> I know. Um, so anyway, her, the three and, favors and, she's asking to. Yeah, the three favors she's asking for, they all revolve around being introduced to uh, Kambru. Um But but Izuko doesn't want to be introduced as, as her aunt. I... She's. I don't know she's why. She's very, but... very coy about this whole situation, about how being introduced to her. I know their their family dynamics must be weird in that family. Let's be honest, family uh, in Monogatari in general is just weird. Uh, but yeah, so that's true. She's I asking... mean, Koyomi wants to bang both of his sisters. Oh so I mean, <laughs> so she wants to be introduced to Guy and and she wants to Aragi to help with a case that Yotsugi is supposed to be working on, and she yeah. wants Kanbur to help with that case. And Aragi is like, yes, yes. well, if you give us information about what the fuck is going on, then yeah, I'll do it. They'll do whatever it needs to like, be. Fucking deal. <laughs> um, so yeah, he accepts, um, and in in return, Gaian is like, all right, well, I'll tell you about the darkness, and and she basically reveals that the darkness itself is like a manifestation of the natural order of things. Yes. Um, it's it's meant to go around and actually destroy apparitions that aren't behaving anymore as apparitions. Um, that's kind of why the darkness um, was targeting attacked. Kishat. Yeah, yeah, a, a targeted Kishot back in the day because she went for a very very long time not acting like a vampire. She didn't suck blood. She, she worked didn't as like create minions. She was she was like so, sort of like being acting like a god when she isn't. Yeah, she's acting pretty much the opposite of how she should act. And the darkness is this manifestation of, like, trying to uh, maintain natural balance. Yeah. Which, what do you think of this reveal? <laughs> um, What do you think this is revealed? What this reveals? No, what do you think of this reveal? Of it being, like, a, a manifestation of natural uh, It's, I think, like, again, it was... Now, after finishing the show, it makes sense to me. But I remember at the time, I was like, it felt kind of out of nowhere. I was like, why is this show, why are we introducing this concept? Um, but mm. as time goes on, as I rewatch the show more and more, like, I do appreciate it. Because it is like, it, it's mm. not a really interesting rule in this universe. But yeah, at the time, I was very confused about this introduction of this concept. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I, I kind of felt the same way, at, more or less, when I first saw it. I was like, okay, it's like, it's like Star Wars trying to find balance in the Force, I know, I right? It's like kind of like very sort of like uh, this omnipotent sort of power or whatever is like beyond us. It's... Yeah. Yeah. And that no one seems to be able to control, not Kishot, not Gaia, not... It's just, it, it is a thing that exists that everyone has to live with. Yeah. Um, but the reason that it has started targeting, it seemingly targeted Koyomi, it's not actually, it's targeting uh, Hachikuchi because she should have passed into the afterlife on Mother's Day. Back in Bakemonogatari. But she hasn't. Yeah. Back in Bakemonogatari when she finally found her way home. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't. She decided to still stay around and, and she's essentially a, a ghost of a ghost. 
Um, Only here's the problem. And she also should have stopped leading. She also should have stopped making people get lost. Um, no, uh, the other way around. But, like she, her as the lost cow. She was supposed to make people go like stay lost. But or yes, that yeah. yes, I said that backwards. Yeah, yes, you're but right, but you're she right. stopped doing um, that, and that's not how it works. She strayed from her purpose as a an apparition, as as the lost cow. Yeah. Um. So and I I, I do kind of like that reveal, like mm. in in it, you, the way that the um the cinematography is actually really good because as these things keep getting revealed by Gaian, there's always the it always goes right back to Hachikuchi's face, and it's like. This very guilt-ridden face. Yeah. Being said is true. Yeah, this, that whole sh- scene is very it's great in terms of direction. Also, I love the setting. How they show like this very quiet sort of like peaceful place they used to sit in and talk about this. And yeah, it's. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's essentially supposed to be a shrine. I don't know. It, it looks, like, looks a shrine, like one. Yeah. Um, but then after all this, this. Uh, exposition dump is done. Um, Gaian just kind of leaves. Um, and they they leaves both uh, well, Koyomi and Hachikuji and Ononoki mm-hmm. just kind of there to process all of this. Um, and uh, I I also like the when this 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 part of the scene begins. It's like a really wide shot, and you just see Koyomi, uh, Hachikuji, and Ononoki just kind of standing yeah, there, just chilling. The, with the background and you, you can definitely see that Koyomi has his hand on Hachikuji's hand, like just kind of holding it. And um, so Hachikuji realizes that she has to pass on or she will be eaten by the darkness and it won't be a good, it won't be a good way to go. And then Aragi is um, like, no, I'll stay with you and can stay lost for her. And she's like, come on, that's very childish. Or oh, Nonoki is like, that's very childish of you. And Mayo is like, yeah. What about yeah, Sinchigahara? Even, even, even Hachikuji's like, what about all these people that that rely on you or or uh, you know your your friends and your you, family? Yeah. And it's like, it'll be fine. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. It, it gets not fine very quickly after this. Um, and I just love how throughout the entire scene, it just keeps it it keeps cutting to uh, like the thing with uh, Koyomi's hand on. Hachikuji's and he's like, losing and it all of a sudden. Yeah, and he he's he's literally losing it. Like he's coming up with all these w- crazy ass ways in which to keep her around. And it, every time he comes up with a new one, it just seems like even crazier than the last one. And you can tell he's grasping at straws, right? Because he doesn't want to say goodbye. And this is something that Koyomi himself doesn't seem to handle very well. And that saying goodbye. Like, he doesn't seem to really have a great grasp of how to let certain things go. Yeah. Like, he just does. He can't uh, give up on people he loves. You know? Yeah. And he's grown to have a great affection for Hajikuchi in more ways than one in, s- in some instances. <laughs> oh, um, my God. I know. Um, but, yeah. Uh, then she's like, yeah, I but need that, to that whole that whole thing, and then as as this keeps going, you can hear like the the emotions welling in, in Koyomi's voice and and the way he's speaking. And then without thinking, he stands up and lets go of Hachikuji's hand as he starts ranting. And then in the middle of his rant, he look he he looks down and he realizes, wait a minute, and he turns around and he's like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, and I let go. Yeah, and in the meantime, the soundtrack is playing. It's 
Hachikuji's both of her opening songs, but in a very in a piano rendition. It's a piano version of it, and it's really slowed down and sad, and uh, and and everyone's crying. And like, I like the thing where so Kiyomi gets up and he walks to the edge where like the little pond is, right? And he's just kind of looking out and he's not paying attention to what Hachikuji's doing. And then on the he just comes over and puts Hachikuji on her shoulders and walks over to him, and then he turns back around to try and tell her something and she just leans in and kisses him <sighs> oh I, I listen i've i've rewatched this episode i think this is my fourth time rewatching oh, i cry shit. every time when that scene happens she stutters <laughs> I <don't... laughs> oh my god that, oh. that final kamimashita is so good like that oh my even, god so so i am not that invested in hachikuji as a character but even for me, this scene is just, mwah, it's great. It's a great goodbye it's scene. It's a great it really goodbye is. scene, yeah, for sure. That whole, this, like, yeah, this whole episode is a great send-off for, for Hachikuji as a character. And that's the the crazy yeah. the the crazy thing is we go from that right. It's a very sad scene. You have these emotions welling up through it. Then you have that little kiss and. Um, and then it cuts right to uh, Hachikuji's face, and she, like tears are rolling down it. And it's like, sorry, I stuttered. Ah. Uh, <laughs> and then, boom! Four months later, and it's Aragi. And then you have yeah. you have Koyomi relating this exact story that you've just seen to Ogi in the classroom. Hmm. I wonder. And then why. she's like, "That's a cool story." Bye. <laughs> And it's like he even he sort of thanks her. It's like he finds comfort in telling her that story. It's well, yeah. He sa- he says it because he's never actually told anyone that she finally passed on. Uh, but well, besides Anonoki, who was there, and then and, and uh, then Ogi is like, "Well, I got some work to do." Bye. And Aragi is like, "What do you mean by work?" And she goes on this spiel about like her work is to correct mistakes or to punish the liars. And that someday she might need Aragi's help. And he's like, huh. Okay. This, boys and girls, is called foreshadowing. (laughs) And then Shinobu is talking to Aragi. So four months later, I guess Shinobu is back. Where she went, we still don't know. We we, we still don't know. I'm hoping we get a... Well, at the time, I was hoping we got a a, uh, resolution to it. And we will. We will. Um, and she talks about how, how it's strange that Aragi told this to Ogi. And, like, she he hasn't told the story to anyone so far. And he's like, well, I'm just yeah. trying to f- see where this goes. He's, like, testing yeah. the waters um, with I, Ogi. I, I, one thing I do like is how this arc ends. So this arc ends with Koyomi walking home after school. That's right. And as he's thinking about the events from back then, he realizes there was one thing that he never told Hachikuchi before she left and that was goodbye <sighs> sad times sad times oh my god so you kind of shit a little bit on this part you i don't gotta, shit you gotta I, tell me okay well i i you said you said that it's the weakest part of the season and i do agree yes, with you i do, I do agree stand with you, by but you that. gotta I've, admit the final episode of this arc is, great. is really good it's pretty fucking good it's just nisio yusin is really good at like a, a, like just shoving his weird fetishes down our throats but elegantly okay this arc not so yeah. much i think this is like the weakest arc it just he has a lot of interesting things to say in this arc but it's just not very 
elegant about it, right? Uh, yeah. But I still on this rewatch though, I enjoyed it way more than I remembered. So it is better than I yeah. thought. That like every now and then I dread like going back to this arc, but I did have, a, have I did have a good time watching it this time. Um, but I still think it's the weakest arc of this entire season. It's weird that it's called Shinobu Time when it's mostly about Mayoi. Well, that's the funny thing. Because remember when we talked about Mayoi Jiangxi, I talked about how this is very much a Shinobu arc as opposed to, to a Mayoi yes. arc. And this is the other way around. It's This season likes to play around with this sort of type of stuff. It's really cool. So yeah. Mayoi Jiangxi is, is the Shinobu arc of this season and Shinobu Time is pretty much the Mayoi arc of this season. It's yeah. yeah, it's cool how he plays around with that. But yeah, and that's that's pretty much it for these two arcs. Um, I it's only eight episodes, but boy, does it feel like a lot more. I mean, we talked about one arc for almost fifty minutes. That says a lot, I think. <laughs> I it does, it does. Um, so next is going to be part three of our uh, Monogatari second season. Spoiler cast, Itagi and um, it's it's a big one. It's only one arc. It's a Tagi end. Six it's going to be six episodes. episodes, but boy, boy, Natai, uh, do we have a lot to say about this arc. I'm looking um, forward to it. Because I think... It's got to be amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too. I'm, I'm sure John's not looking forward to the two and a half hours. We're probably going to oh, talk about no, six no, episodes. No, no, but... no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm, I'm super looking forward to it. Um. I, I can't wait to, to get into this again because this is one of my favorite six episode sequences of in all, all time. of anime period. Um Ooh. and and that's it for this one. Unless you have anything to say. Uh I mean, do you have anything any final thoughts about these two story arcs in this Sad time? lollies, that's all I got. Uh, that okay that, well you know what that is a really great that's a really great way to encapsulate <laughs> both of these arcs honestly yeah, yeah. sad lolis that was good though. sad lolly too electric boogaloo <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was it i'm super uh, excited for the next time we talk about monogatari it's gonna be great i am too but with that Thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us. Check the description below to find links to Anime Club, After Dark, on Twitch, on social media, and on the Discord. Check out our merch store as well uh, and our affiliate links. Any purchases you make there do really, really help us out. With that, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, Natai. Kikatsu punchy! punchy! Natai, he he had to check up her skirt. There might have been an apparition there. No, 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 no. I'm not. You know, not finishing that sentence. Nope, I disagree. Nope, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. I'm calling the FBI. Yeah.